Hey, welcome to SWAT Radio with Doug McCary of His Light Ministries. He has returned to us after his long sojourn. We are so happy you are listening today. I am Taylor Johnson, and if you would like to join the discussion, please call us at 1-844-777-7928. That's 1-844-777-SWAT. Or you can email us at ask at SWATradio.com. That's ask at SWATradio.com. A few interesting headlines I saw today. Uh, James O'Keefe of Project Veritas releases tapes of CNN head Jeff Zucker in which he was telling his staff that he needed to go hard and heavy after GOP senators. Uh, CNN responded by saying, I'm going to tell Dad and telling James O'Keefe that he committed a felony. Um, you may have remembered in Hong Kong there was pro-democracy um, uh, rallies last year. Well, three of those people who uh, led the act, uh, three activists who led the rallies have now been sentenced to jail time, and they've promised that they will continue to fight. Um, an owner of New York City's Anonymous Zone Bar, not sure if you heard of this, he was taken in handcuffs. Uh, today after defying or last night after defying lockdown orders uh, restrictions he had opened his bar and said that it was an autonomous zone so he did not have to uh, obey the mandates and uh, it got a little rowdy when he was getting arrested Uh, speaking of restaurants in Michigan a restaurant owner said I need to survive and uh, opened up despite uh, Governor Whitmer's new lockdown initiative he said he has to feed his family Mm -hmm. Um, a congressman uh, excuse me, wrong one. <laughs> uh, uh, Re- uh, Representative Mo Brooks says he'll challenge the Electoral College vote if he is confirmed, uh, if Joe Biden is confirmed as president. Um, also, kind of locally, I don't know if you heard about this, a Sandalwood teacher gets a five-day suspension. Uh, the headline of the article said that he had uh, unprofessional conduct. When I dug in a little deeper into what that conduct was, he refused to... Uh, say a woman or a male was a female. Wait, where was that? Sandalwood here. Yeah. Yeah. He he, got, re- he refused to refer to someone's biological gender. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, no. He, a student who is a male who feels like they are a female sent out a letter demanding to be called by she. And he responded, I will not do that, but I will call you whatever name you wish. Uh, this prompted Sandalwood to have a whole bunch of inclusivity training. And then he got labeled a bigot because on social media, he had some posts in which he said that it was a good thing that uh, transgenders weren't allowed to use female bathrooms, wow. basically. And another one in which uh, a transgender uh, barista refused service to somebody. And he said, this highlights their bigotry. And for that, he was called a bigot and a uh, a heinous racist and uh, the media has been running with the story for a while and now he has been suspended for five days another teacher was suspended for 10 which was ran in the same article i'm not sure if he was involved or why they put those two together but for me personally that's oh that might be a sign of the times of things to come for me uh because i you know work in public uh education and i stick to a biblical worldview and that might be a problem. The guy who got suspended was a, a Navy vet, and they really painted him to be 
nasty, but as far as well, I, see, what and I this is, is a, listen, if Joe Biden mm-hmm. somehow gets inaugurated, yep. which uh, I'm still praying that uh, some of this election fraud that's out there that they I'm going to tell you right now, I, I have, have personally listened to two witnesses mm. at these hearings that one was in Pennsylvania and one was in Arizona. If these they, these people, if what they're if they're being truthful and they look like they are, they mm-hmm. had the signs of somebody who was being truthful. They didn't look like they were being manipulated. These people had all the marks of somebody who was being truthful, at least from an external perspective. They said they contacted one lady said she contacted the FBI two days after the election to tell them because mm. she was wrestling with it, but she called them to tell them of things that she saw that should not have been happening, that were wrong, that were fraudulent. And nobody called her back. Mm. She talked for 45 minutes to an FBI agent and gave her all the information, and nobody called her back. I mean, because they're probably being told somewhere either because of priority of what they investigate right now. It's like if you call the FBI right now and say, hey, listen, you know, somebody stole $10,000 from me. A lot of people don't know this, but they have, uh, they'll go to the U.S. attorney a lot of times and the U.S. attorney will say, well, right now our threshold is this amount. Mm -hmm. So we can't give any investigative resources to that. Well, when other people hear that, they think, well, you know, well, there's not a crime been committed. That's not the thing. It's just that they don't have the resources to investigate or they choose not to. Now, I'm a little suspect because of what has happened within the FBI, what has mm. happened within this uh, intelligence agency, uh, because I'm I'm speaking as somebody who served in that arena. Yeah. And it's disheartening to me when she says she spoke to an agent for 45 minutes about election fraud. It's been widespread in the people who've said that it's happened and nothing's been done. And people are saying there's no evidence. There's no evidence. They have not a few hundreds of affidavits of people who are witnesses. Now, listen, if you, if we had five witnesses that said they saw somebody steal something at least somebody should be investigating. Mm-hmm. And that's a big problem, I think. And it's not just saying, oh, I saw that. It's saying, I'm putting my name down. I'm signing a document, a legal document, that if I'm found to be lying, I'm, I'm going to face legal consequences, including you know jail time for it. Uh, that, that's in, in the court of law. So, that carries weight. So for all my liberal friends, and I do have liberal progressive friends that listen, and I appreciate you guys, but Joe Biden who has been a leading voice for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer rights by his own admission, um, pledged to expand what he called queer rights internationally by making equality a centerpiece for any U.S. diplomacy with other countries. Wow. And he outlined his agenda for the LGBTQ rights in an email with the Philadelphia gay news publisher Mark Siegel which is known as a gay rights uh, advocate organization and uh, publication. He said, I will make enactment of the Equality Act a top 
legislative priority during my first hundred days. Mm. Now, I'm going to tell you, what you're seeing at Sandalwood here in Jacksonville, for you folks in Virginia and Mississippi, it's coming to you if it's not there already. And this is, if Joe Biden is somehow allowed to become our president, because I'm still not convinced he is yet, because there's fraudulent claims that need to be investigated. Mm-hmm. I mean, my goodness, if some of the claims that have been made and attested to with sworn affidavits by people who are saying, and these people, when they sign these affidavits, you can go to jail for lying on a sworn mm-hmm. affidavit. The very least, they should be investigated. I'm not saying whether they're true or not true, but at the very least. So here's my 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 struggle. Why are people not investigating? Yeah. Why why do you not hear Fox News, ABC, NBC, MSNBC, CNN, all these people? And you know, you mentioned um, Veritas Project Veritas. What's the guy's name? James O'Keefe. James O'Keefe listened for two months to CNN's uh, editorial calls that mm-hmm. happened in the morning. With, he listened to it. He had an insider give him the call-in number. So he listened to, Je- listened to Jeff Zucker for two months tell people, this is what you promote, this is what you don't promote. It was always promoting Biden or mm-hmm. the, the progressive agenda, and it was never it was never giving any legitimacy. In fact, he used those very words, we cannot legitimize anything President Trump is saying. Yeah, I heard him say it, and I'm sitting there thinking, and that's CNN, which is not as far left as MSNBC mm-hmm. or NBC, ABC, CBS. And so I'm thinking that, you know, we have been so we, – we don't have a free press anymore. And now even Fox News, it's been told that Fox News can't say the name Scorecard and Hammer, mm. which was a CIA program that – uh, Sidney Powell, the attorney for President Trump, or not for Trump, but for uh, We the People, who's trying to say that there was fraud in the election. Uh, and even uh, Giuliani has talked about scorecarding. But the announcers on Fox News are not allowed to say those two words, scorecard and hammer. Yeah, I mean, Fox News is taking a a, a, a left-leaning, I would uh, you know, a liberal-leaning, I would say. And I think that... Um, you know, most of the media is that way. And the thing that's bad about it, if, if you're honest about that, okay, well, hey, I know that's where you're coming from. But if you try to say, I'm an objective journalist, and then uh, you get in talking like that and you have a clear bias, I well, think that's Well, see, problem. here's the problem. I have no problem if, if MSNBC wants to be liberal mm-hmm. or if CBS or whatever. But if Fox News is conservative, then you have a counterbalance. You need to have opposing views so you can hear it instead of just blanket everything. Because now, I don't believe any of it. Yeah. All right. Stick with us. You're listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. If you'd like to contact SWAT Radio, the toll-free number is 1-844-777-7928. That's 844-777-7928 or 844-777-SWAT. You can also listen to this program through the WTRJ The Truth app from the App Store. 
or over the internet by accessing www.swatradio.com. We'll be back shortly for further discussion and to take your calls. SWAT Radio is brought to you in part by Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. is a full-service sales door and window installation company. Both of the owners are licensed contractors and are involved in the daily operations of the company. All of their trucks are company-owned and fully equipped. Their mission is to provide Jacksonville and the surrounding area with door and window replacement services. To learn more, call 904-701-3667. That's 904-701-DOOR. Or online at www.astore.com. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. If you are just joining us, me and Doug, we're talking about just the news of the day. Um, Doug is, by the way, back in studio. Yeah, how do you like my Christmas music, man? I like it. It's nice. I didn't even know that song, though, so I didn't know how to say, oh, this is whoever singing what I didn't know. Well, a big shout out to Roger Henderson. He helped put my music together for me. I appreciate that. I asked him. I said, Roger, man, it is December, and it is cold. It's cold. Listen, it's 50 degrees right now in Virginia Beach. Supposed to get down to freezing tonight there Mm. for you people up there in Chesapeake, Virginia listening. It is 56 in Meridian. Supposed to get down to 27 in Meridian tonight. It's 53 here in Jacksonville. Supposed to get down to 34. Mm. So... You know, it's time for some Christmas music, man. And some hot chocolate, right? <laughs> and I had some hot chocolate last night, my first hot chocolate of the year. Yeah. So, do you like hot chocolate? I do. My wife, she really likes it. She makes it a lot uh, in the wintertime. So. Well, you know what Lori and I do? We like to get uh, like some sweet cream and put in there or okay. some amaretto and put in yeah. there. It's really just to flavor a little bit. Yeah. But yeah it's, a, it's a nice time of year. The only thing I don't like about this time of year is when it's so dry that your skin mm-hmm. feels like it's going to crack yeah. open and you shock yourself every time you open a door, man. <laughs> I mean, I, t- I touched the elevator and uh, thought it was crazy. So, uh, yeah, but it is good to be back. And, you know, I we were going on a little bit of a rant there because I, I it is – I think it's, it's hard when uh, there's a seven, 70 million people, maybe more, believe that Right now, there has been fraud in an election, and nobody's talking about it, and nobody's doing anything about it, and yeah. people are upset. They're yeah. having these rallies called Stop the Steal. Have yeah. you heard about mm-hmm. those that are going on around the country? And, you know, they're peaceful. There's nobody being violent. They're just saying, if, if you, I want you to imagine for a second, let's say somebody stole your money. Yeah. Let's say somebody stole your money and you're telling everybody somebody stole it and nobody believes you and mm-hmm. nobody's not talking that, you know, they're just disregarding you. That would upset you mm-hmm. at the very least. 
people should investigate. Yeah. And that's the problem I have is they're just disregarding it, saying it's it's a it's poor. And I'm telling you right now, one of the things that causes me great pause is I don't remember in our history a winning a person who won at least appeared to win and and was declared the winner by the media, not by the electoral college yet, but by the media moving so aggressively fast to get positions filled and having press conferences the mm. way Joe Biden's done. Yeah. And I, that causes me pause, too. See, when you look at the overall situation, it'd be one thing if this was in one place, but mm-hmm. we're talking six places. And let's face it, when people are putting up block blocking signs to keep you from looking in on them, yeah. and all the circumstantial evidence that's out there, plus the testimonial evidence, and then people are saying, well, we've this, looked into it and there's nothing yeah. there. I, I just... With the deep state being what it is, what we've already established happened with Carter Page Mm -hmm. and the CIA, I'm telling you, people are getting to the point where they don't trust the government at all. Oh, I think there's a lot of people there, you know, and if you just look at the the statistics don't seem to add up. And and then, like you said, the fact that no one is even questioning it as far as like the mainstream media wants to say this is nothing, this is conspiracy, when I think a lot of people look and say wait something seems off here we would like we're not even saying you know that it's fraud or steel or whatever this initially saying that's interesting i want to know what's going on and then when everyone's silent about it it makes you think what is there what what is going on is well, there some sort of nefarious whistleblower out of new york there was a postal worker out of new york who is a uh, who has claimed whistleblower status now mm-hmm. he's he worked for the post office he drove a truck, a tractor trailer truck mm. with 280,000 ballots, somewhere between 200 to 280,000 ballots in the back of that truck from New York to Pennsylvania. Oh, no way, really. He crossed New Jersey lines and he crossed the Pennsylvania line. That's crossing two state lines. Now, why in the world would somebody drive with ballots? Mm-hmm. From New York to, and 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 here's the crazy part. When he went back to get his truck the next day, his truck was gone. Wow. The trailer, I'm sorry. Not the truck yeah. part. Uh-huh. He drove his trailer. He unhitched it, uh-huh. drove his truck part to spend the night. When he came back the next day, his trailer was gone. And I'm like, why is why is this trailer gone? I mean, why is why are the police not investigating that? Why why are they not investigating a guy driving across state lines with two hundred thousand ballots? Yeah. I mean that that to me, um, and you know, other places, people were trying to take videos of of a UPS truck with ballots in it, mm-hmm. and so these are things that you're seeing that nobody's hardly talking about and people are going conspiracy theory conspiracy theory because the mainstream media is not they they're not talking about any of this stuff because they hate Donald Trump so bad yeah and and it's one thing if it's just you know kind of like oh i you know i someone said something but you claim whistleblower status you sign an affidavit those are like that's not just talk you know that's something that should be taken seriously and at least considered and looked into to to find this is a government worker yeah he works for the united states post office yeah 
And why, if you claim whistleblower status, what you're saying is, I'm at risk. One guy who was talking about some of the stuff going on got beat up already. So these witnesses are, are putting themselves at risk. And so, and I think there's a large no. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now, this isn't going away. It's not going away. And uh, people are going to continue to push. And the reason it's not going away is because, you know, if there's nothing wrong, then investigate yeah. it and say, hey, mm-hmm. this is what we found. Yeah. But as long as you deny it, People think by denying it, then it's just going to go away. But I'm telling you, the people are not going to stand for that. They, they believe this is a democracy issue, and it's going to affect future of our country, the future of our country. Yeah. So, so what are we to do as believers with all this? How do we respond? Well, first of all, we pray. I think we pray uh, precatory prayers. What that means is... The psalmist, if you go to Psalms and you look at some of David's Psalms, he prayed that God would rain down his wrath on God's enemies. Mm. He prayed that God would expose falsehood, that God would let truth and justice prevail. You pray those prayers. You pray that God would expose the truth. And that's what my prayer is. Listen, I I want the truth to come out. I, I don't care if it favors Donald Trump, I mean, or if, if it favors Biden, if it's the truth. Mm-hmm. Because if it's the truth, then that's what needs to be heard, and that's what needs to be told. But if it's people cheating and lying and and fraudulently doing things that are wrong, those people need to be exposed, and the lie needs to be exposed. And as believers, that should be our prayer. It doesn't matter if you're a Republican, a Democrat, or independent. Yeah. If, if do you have any fear that the the trust in you know our our system, our government, um, our leaders is so eroded that no matter what comes out, people aren't going to believe it if it's true? Oh or yeah. Not. Well, let me ask you this, and, and then I know we're going to get into discipleship again today um, from what um, Brad talked about about you know just you know passing on the faith. But this is this is a thing too. You know, I think a lot of times as Christians we stick our head in the sand mm. in this country God's given us. And like Wayne Grudem said, Dr. Grudem said, you know what? We've been given a small piece of authority in our country because we have the freedom as citizens to express ourselves both to our congressional leaders, our you know, and, mm-hmm. and also to express ourselves in public forms. Well, if you listen to most public forums, there's this radical shift toward progressive liberalism Mm -hmm. that accentuates sexual immorality and um, gender confusion, like you were reading earlier, and, and it's being legislated and affirmed. And so people go, well, why do you have a problem with homosexuality? Because first of all, God has a problem with homosexuality. If you are a believer, you should have a problem with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you shouldn't say, I don't have a problem with it. it do, would you have a problem with adultery? Would you have a problem with somebody stealing? Mm-hmm. God is very clear in his word about what's what's against his design. He has a will for us to follow. He has a, a unfolding desire for us to glorify him, 
Nothing about transgenderism, nothing about homosexuality, nothing about uh, greed, nothing about... There's all these sins, and I don't want to just highlight the sexual ones, but anything that is deviant to God's design is sin, and it does not bring glory to his name. And as believers, we should never affirm any act that goes against God's will. I mean, part of being a disciple means, like we we looked at a couple of weeks ago, is you stand outside the camp. You're, you're not a, you know, Jesus was rejected because he stood against the world. And we're going to be rejected if we stand with Jesus. So if you take a stand, and listen, for my for my progressive liberal friends out there, why, why is it wrong to if if there if there's allegations of wrongdoing, why not look at them? We just spent eighty million dollars or more looking into whether Donald mm-hmm. Trump yeah. colluded with Russia, and mm-hmm. there was no evidence that he did. There is more evidence right now that has been gathered by a few attorneys uh, uh, to whether this election was fraudulent and interfered with. There's a hundred times more evidence right now than there was against Donald Trump. And yet Mm -hmm. we spent three years and all this money, everybody calling for his head, everybody calling for him to be impeached. He was impeached by the Congress, but not by the Senate. And now everybody's saying, Oh, we need to move on. We need to unify they didn't say that mm-hmm. four years ago. Yeah. And so there's a double standard that needs to be addressed. And we what we need to do is say, listen, if there's fraud, we need to investigate it. And it's being investigated. The question is, what are you going to do if the, the Congress of um, the State House in Arizona, Pennsylvania, and Michigan overturn the election and say, we're going to give our electors to Donald Trump? What's going to happen then? Yeah, right. Yeah. All right. Well, stick with us. We will be back with more after the news. You are listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. We're so glad you're uh, joining us. If you missed us before the news break, we have been talking a little bit about the news of the day. We're going to be talking about 
discipleship and finishing up, finishing up, excuse me, where Brad Sykes left off. If you missed any of what we talked about so far and would like to go back and listen, though, you can go to www.swatradio.com. That's www.swatradio.com. Or you can listen to our podcast by searching SWAT Radio. And you can also download our SWAT app in the App Store where you can listen as well. Uh, Just give it a couple hours and it should be up. And if you want to listen to any other past programs, they're up and ready now. Well, um, I know you and Brad were talking about discipleship and making disciples because that's what he taught on before Thanksgiving. Um, By the way, I don't know if you got a chance to listen last week. It was good. I listened to John Mazel was on uh, Friday and, um, you know, uh, it was hard. Uh, I was in, I was at home with my folks, by the way, my mom's doing better. Uh, so thank you folks for praying. And I was good to spend time with my mom and dad while I was there. And I got to also Jason Dias is one of the guys in Meridian mm. on WMER there. He comes on right after us Oh, cool! and, uh, and locally in Meridian. Mm-hmm. And he had me on, interviewed me there uh on his program it's kind of weird to be there uh but uh thank you jason for having us on and having me on there and uh, appreciate you having us on and wmer and uh you know it's the the whole disciple thing uh, we've been in hebrews and we're at a part of hebrews where i think brad brought out the first 12 chapters are about foundation stuff and and really theology and chapter 13 is about putting it into practice. And we hit one part of 13 where it talks about imitation and and following our fathers, imitating them. And discipleship is really I, – I put together a definition a couple of years ago. And the way I defined it uh, as I've really thinking from a biblical perspective is it's being in an intentional – mentoring relationship that fosters spiritual growth through biblical instruction through modeling encouragement and accountability and in community to reproduce other people who will reproduce other people and so we do an okay job with biblical instruction here as time goes on we're going to see more watered down purity of god's word Mm -hmm. um but Biblical instruction, you can listen to good teachers on air or podcast or whatever. Um, the um, the uh, accountability, we struggle on. The modeling, we struggle on. Encouragement, we do an okay job on. But modeling and accountability are really tough. You can't model something if you're not around people. Yeah. So, I, you know, I posed this question when we were talking like most people, if you ask them, who's your shepherd? You know, who's your Paul? Oh, my pastor. Mm. Well, how many times have you been to your pastor's house to eat? How many times have you been with your pastor on a trip? How many times have you seen your pastor in an intensely stressful situation? Mm. Think about Jesus. What he said, follow me. He didn't say, hey, come listen to me teach. <laughs> yeah. He said, come follow me. We're going to go do some ministry. And he taught them, but then they actually did ministry together, and people could witness how he responds when people attack him. Think about it. When the disciples were with him, the Pharisees were always trying to get him. So they got to see him interact with enemies. They got to see him interact with poor people, people in need. So they were constantly 
getting things from him through nonverbal communication, not just from what he said, how he lived. And so that modeling is such an important part of discipleship that we don't think about in our culture because we've been trained to think discipleship is learning about the Bible. Yeah. Would you agree? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I mean, we think it's learning God's word, which is important. It's a part right. of it. Yeah. But it's more also seeing what that word looks like lived out. You know, our mission hasn't changed in Exodus 19, 6. God told Moses, Moses, you are a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. Go put me on display. You're you're the channel of blessings for the world. First Peter two nineteen, Peter says the same thing. We are a holy priesthood. Yeah. You know, a royal nation. We we are to put God on display. So the question we have to ask ourselves is one, who are we imitating in the faith? And two, who's imitating us and what are they imitating in us? I mean, um, I know you and Brad talked about why we don't make disciples, but I I think one of the things is if you don't have accountability, if in other words, if nobody's saying, Taylor, who are you building into? Who's building into you? I mean, who are you? And then, and then if you say, well, so-and-so, well, are you spending time with him? Well, no, we just talk on the phone or we just FaceTime or we just Zoom call, yeah. whatever. Well, how are you really catching how he lives? Do you ever see him fight with his wife? I mean, do you ever see him lose his temper with his kids and then respond to that afterwards? You know, for most people, we live a Facebook life with those around us. Mm -hmm. And by that, I mean, we only show people the best, yet the disciples got to see every part of Jesus. Mm -hmm. They were with him 24-7. Now, I know that's not, you can't be with people 24-7, but you know what? You can go on a mission trip with somebody. You can, you've been down with me when we've been working and doing ministry together. Mm -hmm. It's not all fun and uh, fun and games down there. You're not, it's you deal with things that are disappointments. You deal with people that say they're going to do things that don't do things. Um, some people lose their temper. How do you respond to those things? So that's what modeling looks like. But then the accountability is really important too. And, and the accountability, I find like even as parents, a lot of times with our children, our children get uncomfortable when we ask them hard questions about their spiritual life. So as parents, we feel like we fight enough battles, so we mm-hmm. let the youth pastor do that. And mm-hmm. by the way, he doesn't do that too yeah. often. Mm-hmm. The youth pastors don't ask kids very much. They just teach. Yeah. And they let the small groups take care of that. Mm-hmm. And so who's holding who accountable? I mean, that accountability is something we really need and, and must have if we're going to be fostering this idea of, of disciples. Um, and I know Second Timothy 2, 2 most people know that where Paul tells Timothy, Timothy, find faithful men and train them so they will be able to train others who can train others. So that's four generations, right, mm-hmm. of people. So it's really incomplete if it just stops with me and even one other. Yeah. And so who are we building into? Who are we teaching God's word and the value of God's word? Who, who's, and, and do I ever stop getting taught? Like yeah. I'm always being taught. Yeah. I'm 59 mm-hmm. years old, and I'm still seeking people to build into me and help me, and I'm still learning. 
And I'm finding the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know. Yeah. 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 You know, know, just thinking about, you know, hearing you and Brad talk about this, I I wonder, do you think that, you know, part of the problem is that our churches are too big? Um, By that, I mean, you know, you're talking about you don't know your pastor, right? Uh, But that just seems like, you know, what you lay out is much more personal uh, and more, you know, interpersonal. So, you you can't do that on a large scale, and so that it seems to me that it would be better to have smaller groups of people who are really connected and built into each other's lives. You know, you mean like the New Testament? Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. See, we've created a monster here, but we really didn't start. It started in Europe, mm-hmm. and really before that. I mean, the New Testament church was never about a place as much as it was about people. Yeah. And what's evolved over time is the mission of the church. We've kind of redefined discipleship to mean being part of a body instead of making disciples. Mm. Because if you make disciples, does it matter where they are? No. No. I mean, when the disciples, what happened with persecution hit Jerusalem? They spread. Yeah. Don't you find it interesting do you know what the biggest missionary church was in the first century? You know where it was? Where? It was in Antioch. Mm. Mm. It wasn't Jerusalem. Jerusalem was where the superstars were. Huh. That was where the disciples were. Yeah. But where was the missionary church, the big sending church? It was Antioch. And Antioch is where the no-names were. Mm. It was just a bunch of people who had been discipled, who were discipling others and sending them out. Mm. And I think so often we look for the big superstars instead of just faithful people who are building into others to build into others to build into others. Yeah. I I think we forget that principle. Yeah. And that's why I'm saying there's four real characteristics, biblical instruction, modeling, accountability, and encouragement in community. But, you know, the driving part of a Jewish disciple was to be like the teacher. Well, who's our teacher? It's Jesus. Yeah. It, it, you know, let's say in and you're in my relationship, you viewed me as a teacher because I'm older and I teach and I, I love teaching. Anything good that comes through my lips about God and his word is coming from the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So, you, I mean, so I can't claim credit for anything. Right. And so I'm just putting out what, he's revealed to me through his word. I don't get these, uh, divine thoughts that are abstract or yeah. that are apart from his word. So when people, when I tell people, God spoke to me, it's through his word that he speaks to me. Yeah. And, and so I try to impart to you or anybody else, those things that he imparts to me and try to encourage you to put that into practice and that's what discipleship is so yeah so we will come back with more on that after the break so stick with us we'd like to give a special thanks to our sponsors ace door and window as well as a special thanks to our sponsor tom neal trucking and jeff andrews of highway to eternity ministries if you would like to sponsor the program please email us at doug at swatradio.com that is doug at swatradio.com you're listening to swat radio stay tuned we'll be right back This program has the potential to reach millions of men each week. 
If you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about Jesus through God's Word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others, then go to www.swatradio.com. Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation. We're so grateful for having people like Tom Neal Truck Company sponsoring SWAT Radio. Tom Neal Truck Company is located at 417 Edgewood Avenue South in Jacksonville, Florida. Tom Neal is a full-service franchise truck dealer for Freightliner, Western Star, Volvo, Isuzu, and Sprinter vans offering new and used truck sales, service, parts and truck rental and leasing to the North Florida and South Georgia truck market. More information on Tom Neal Truck Company is located at www.tomneal.com. That's www.tomnehl.com. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. If you are just joining us, Doug McCary is back in the studio, and we are continuing our conversation on uh, discipleship. Brad Sykes started us off early in the week, and we're continuing that uh, this week, and then next week we will finish up uh, Hebrews. So if you would like to join the conversation that we've had so far, please call us at 1-844-777-7928. That's 1-844-777-SWAT. Or, if you'd rather, you can email us at ask at SWATradio.com. That is ask at SWATradio.com. And just before the break, uh, Doug was talking a little bit about what the uh, early church looked like and how that kind of differs from uh, the church as we see it today. And I was wondering, do you have any thoughts on how maybe we can get back to maybe more of an early church model? Well, I think there's some movements of that, of how they're called house church movements. Mm. Were you seeing that? I don't know. Within the the mega churches yeah. around, and by the way, anything over like 300, 400 people is considered a mega church, believe oh. it or not. Huh. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, isn't that funny? Yeah. I mean, do you, do you know that 90% of the churches in America, 90% or 200 people or less? Really? I did not know that. We think of churches as, larger yeah but there's still a lot of small churches and by i mean your normal churches are going to be under 200 people yeah um one of the things that was interesting is i was i was reading in the old testament this is why it's good to do devotional reading um you know every morning when you read in the bible like i was reading through about solomon doing the temple Mm. and when he was building the temple he divided the task up um, you know, he had all these people to do the building and the cutting and all that stuff. And he had 3000 overseers for 153 for, for 150,000 people. So that broke it up into one overseer for every 50 people. Hmm. And I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Uh, cause, cause you know, I think 
with you know most SWAT the biggest SWAT group I have is out at the beach, and that SWAT group's about thirty people normally with twenty five to thirty. And I, you can know everybody within that size group yeah. and know who people are, and you can find out what's going on in their lives and have little subgroups within there. But still, leading that group, you can have an interaction with everybody there. When you're pushing 50, it's starting to get hard because that's a lot of people, but you could still possibly do that. I think the ideal group for a small group is 12 to 15, Mm. you know, because that that gives you a a really fairly intimate uh, ability to get to know people. But I just thought it was interesting that when Solomon divided it up, and there were always 50s. If you go back and you look at the way they broke out their armies a lot of times, it would be hundreds in 50s yeah. mm-hmm. you know yeah and so uh i think today when you have like i know churches that have twenty six thousand people that come mm. on a sunday there's absolutely no way no shepherd not even a staff of 10 shepherds mm-hmm. can engage with those people so you can be very anonymous going in and out yeah and people do that they go in and out of these churches and they never interact with anybody, and they just hear the word, and they go, wow, that guy's good. It becomes all about his message style mm-hmm. and his su- not the content of his message as much as the delivery of his message and the way it's communicated. And again, he goes, people go home, they feel like they've done their spiritual deed, and then they watch football, play mm-hmm. golf, cook out, whatever they do, and they don't go away from there thinking, my primary mission is to make disciples. Yeah. But in the New Testament, when they went out, they knew their primary mission was to make disciples. So what's the primary mission of a Coke employee? Like Coca-Cola? Yeah. Sell the product? Yeah. Yeah. Their primary mission is to push Coke products out to people, right? Mm -hmm. So imagine that those Coke people that they don't live with that being their mission how long are they going to last in the company not long that's right but in the church people can live on for a long time not accomplishing the mission because we have allowed that mission to change to where it's about oh just people gathering on a sunday yeah that's the mission now Mm -hmm. think about it in the context of american life if you think about the church most people are content if they just get people to come to church on Sunday. Yeah. And that's not discipleship. It's not even, I mean, it's not even a big part of discipleship. It's a small part of people gathering, hopefully to hear the word preach and be exhorted. But there has to be a modeling, uh, biblical instruction that takes place. But there has to be modeling, encouragement, and accountability to that the accountability is sorely lacking in our in our current model that we have. And I really don't know, Taylor, other than the small groups of a church, but mm. even those are a lot of times so forced yeah. that they're not even – I mean, have you ever been in a small group? Uh, I, my parents have been, and I've seen it like – but yeah, well, no, I've been to a few, and yeah, that forced like feeling that I never stuck with any of them. I haven't found any that I gel with the people in it. yeah. And so part of the part of the issue is a lot of times a small group becomes uh, just a session, and there's nothing wrong with people praying for each other's needs. Mm-hmm. 
but there should be an inherent drive toward accountability for mission. Mm. In the Marine Corps, you know what my mission was as a Marine? To kill the enemy. Yeah. Uh, it, it was not to be a policeman. Mm. It wasn't. It was to kill the enemy. So every day I trained, that's what I trained to do, and I knew that was my mission. The company. So you have a company, which is made up of platoons, which is made up of squads, you know, and a squad has fire teams in it. Yeah. And so the fire team was the base element for guys. And so in that fire team, there was a drive toward mission. The fire team made up the squad. So you could have a huge body of believers as long as the smaller, small groups mm-hmm. all focused on the mission. But what happens is there's no accountability to those small group commanders. Uh, I call them commanders, yeah. the small group leaders, to the mission of making disciples. Even most small groups, if there's a small group coordinator or shepherd, whatever you want to call them, the drive is well, just to get them into a Bible study to get them more information. Yeah. The problem with the American church is not information. <laughs> yeah. It's accountability. That's the problem. That's the biggest. Modeling and accountability are the biggest problems we face in the American church. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I, I just... Been, you, 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 you disagree with that at all? I mean... No, I mean, I agree. Like, there's a you know a fire hydrant of information you can get it from <laughs> yeah. anywhere but yeah there's and with accountability uh in modeling that comes with relationship you know and I, I feel like a lot of people feel alienated in their the churches that they're in and it's because they're lacking those two things and that means they're lacking a relationship with one another mm-hmm. that produces um you know movement or growth you know what i mean so yeah i, I agree with you well, and I, I, you know, going back to your question that you asked earlier, I just don't know how. All right, think of an aircraft carrier mm-hmm. and think of a speedboat. Yeah. If we're in a speedboat, it's a lot easier to do a 180. Mm-hmm. The problem with the mega church is it's an aircraft yeah. carrier. And it takes a long time to change. Yeah. And leaders have to have a commitment to going back to the original mission of making disciples. And if they don't have that commission, if they don't have that commitment, then, um, then it doesn't matter. And what I see a lot in churches is you have the leaders of the church who aren't on board, but you have segments within that church who were fired up about making disciples and they want to do it. And what they end up doing is they start parachurch organizations that mm, end up yeah, doing it. Yeah. That's how navigators got started. Right. That's how SWAT got started. Yeah. Because mm. it, because a speedboat can make a turn and maneuver a lot quicker than an aircraft carrier. Right. And what I've seen at SWAT, which has been really cool. We have 18 churches represented in all the SWAT groups is guys go back into their churches almost as missionaries mm. with a passion or, or or rather the missionaries let me say mission focused right. they go back mission focused to make disciples and they see the need for accountability they see the need for modeling and that's what they want to do um and so i think that's and listen i'm not saying all churches 
her off on this. I'm just saying it's very difficult with a big church because a lot of times it's like a big organization versus a mom and pop shop. Yeah. It's a lot easier to change things in a mom and pop than it is across Walmart. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I guess it's just interesting to, to think about it in a, a different perspective. You know what I mean? And then that gets my, my gears turned. Like, okay. Well, what, what can be done? What, what can we do? And, and it, it seems to me like a big uh, a part is that time together, I guess, is something that I feel like is missing. Because we go to church on Sunday, mm-hmm. sometimes Wednesday. But to really get to know each other is to really spend time together. And it seems like, you know, the church should maybe focus on things, uh, you know, it, if you want to change, that mm-hmm. produce people spending time together. And it, not necessarily that it has to be like a Bible study, but just where people can work together, get to know each other, kind of like, you know, when we go over and pass out food and stuff, you get to know the guys that you go out there with. You, even you see them one time, you see them again. It's like, oh, hey, what's up? You yeah, know, just, well, you build relationship, and and that's you know, making disciples has an element of life on life yeah. to it, and that's why Jesus said, "Come follow me." Mm-hmm. He didn't say, "Follow my way of teaching." He didn't say, you know, he did say, "Listen." God said, "Listen to my son." But Jesus said, follow me. And here's what's so great about what Jesus told his disciples. He said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Yeah. He didn't say, go be. He said, follow me, and I will make you. He does the work. So our greatest priority should be to follow Jesus. Yeah. And so hopefully that was helpful and encouraging for people. Imitating comes through practice, not just observing and noting. Yeah. We've got to be doing it. Yeah. All right, you've been listening to SWAT Radio. If you missed any of this program or would like to listen to past programs, actually, tomorrow. Dr. Christy Reisinger, yeah. uh, who's been our COVID expert, yeah. uh, she's going to be my guest tomorrow, updating us on COVID and what's going on in the medical community about COVID-19. All right, so make sure you tune in tomorrow at 3 o'clock. We'll see you then. If you missed a SWAT radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT radio is strengthening spiritual